What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 through the fan in Dallas, your radio flagship home of the Cowboys, joined as always by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105 through the fan in Dallas. He is also the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And Brian, uh, I got to say... Uh, and, and we'll get into the, to the the Panthers a little bit more uh, later this week, but man, it's it's tough to totally get up for this football game coming up, right? And I thought Saad Youssef over at the Athletic had a a nice question for Mike McCarthy on Wednesday, where he mm-hmm. said, "Mike, you know, you've talked about measuring stick games and and litmus tests and things like that." So what do, what do you talk about and how do you prep your team on a week like other games where you don't feel like the juice is there as much? And I thought it was a good question. You got what would be the answer from McCarthy, which was, you know, well, by avoiding questions just like these. I, I, I don't bother with questions like these. Uh, we treat every game the same. We think back to the Cardinals, things like that. But I do think it is a, uh, a good point, which is, hey, look, you, you got to watch out for the uh, the the – the sleeping giant or whatever it is, not a giant, but you got to watch out for the, the wounded animal on the road in Carolina. Desperate team. Lot, lot, lots yeah. of turmoil there, but still uh, something to uh, watch out for nonetheless. Uh, we'll, we'll get ready for the Panthers a little bit more later. This I'll week. tell you real quick. Brian, did you find that hard when you guys were with the Packers and you were having a lot of success? Did you oh, ever we were the, we find were the, it hard to get yeah. up for teams that weren't very good? No, we were the when, – when I first started with the Packers in 92, we were the team – we were everybody's homecoming game. You know, we were the we were the team that everybody scheduled for homecoming. You know, because you thought you were going to get a win, and you know, for twenty years the Packers, well, with the exception of nineteen eighty nine, the Packers were a terrible organization. Lost a lot of games, was never any good. You know, a lot of hope, great fan base, and all that. But you know, in nineteen ninety two, we finished nine and seven, and you know, very well could have been ten and six if we, you know, we had a chance to win at Minnesota, get in the playoffs, and. But man, it was like 
it was tough because we were the team that everybody was trying to – and then we started going on a roll. We won like six straight games mm-hmm. at the end, and it was kind of like, oh, geez. I mean, maybe this team – you know, maybe this is a team you're going to have to worry about. We went from being a team that – much like what the Houston Texans are going through right now. You know, the Houston Texans are – I mean, they're they're further along than we were in Green Bay. You know, at, at one point we were – we were like three and, you know, three and six, and then went on a run where we won six straight games, you know, to finish out, and then you know lost the last games. We finished nine and nine and seven, but man, I tell you what, it was uh, getting up for games. The the better we got, we we had a really a good veteran team that, you know, we I never felt like we played down to the level of teams. I never felt like they were. There were times where we, we didn't play our best. All I know about with McCarthy and, and what – look at the look at the Carolina win over Houston and how they did that. Yeah. And, it, and it'll get your attention. This is a team that's got, with the exception of the quarterback, I know looking at the offense, I'm going to look at the defense in the morning. This is a team that has a veteran offensive line. They have a veteran receiver. You know, they have veteran running backs. They're not talent poor like last week. Like you could watch the Giants tape and you could go, This this is gonna be this is gonna be a walk. This is going to be a walk. I don't feel this way with Carolina. Because I feel like, and this is without even seeing their defense, which I'll look at tomorrow, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. Sure. Another time, another show. But I've kind of feel like though that you just you know, there's only seventeen of these games. And you know, and you don't want to happen to what happened to you with the you know the Arizona game. And that 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 might turn into be a really bad loss for you. It, it already a, is a really bad loss when you look at the end of the day, as Bill Parcells would used to say. But when you look at that and you say one to the good or one to the bad, that's going to be the one to the bad right there. And uh, you know, especially when you're fighting for a division title, that's going to be one to the bad because. Arizona is going to play Philadelphia at the end of the year, right before, uh, you know, right before the final. I think the second last game of the season, and they're going to probably just maul Arizona. And you know, here you are, you're, you know, you're, you're you've got a loss to them. So yeah. those those are the games. You, but you have to you have to get up for all these games. You just can't you know you can't just expect to roll your helmet out there. Now last week against. The Giants. Giants are different. That's such a bad. The Giants was a roll your helmet out there game. It really, really was. Yeah. That that was when you watched their tape. No matter how much you got convinced or you know whatever you said, it didn't. It didn't matter. They were playing with a first year quarterback who clearly wasn't ready to play. Right. This this quarterback was the first overall pick. You know at Carolina, and so and and a very decorated quarterback at that. But we'll get into that another time. But yeah, you watch this tape. You, you know, Burns. Those those guys get your attention. They've got some players that'll get your attention. Oh yeah, you know, when when you go forward here. Yeah, they they have guys who can impact the game. Like you said, we'll we'll get into some of that uh, in, in the next episode later this week. We're gonna lead off today. Uh, we're gonna talk about a couple different things today. We'll obviously get to the mailbag next segment. We're we're gonna talk about obviously we've seen some changes that we like. Uh, to the offense. We, we've seen some different things that are encouraging. So we're going to kick around some of the other things that, uh, you know, since we seem to have power here, Brian, 
we seem to be moving the needle and and you know the the cowboys are taking in our advice huh. uh, we're just going to we're going to look at a couple other things that maybe we we'd like to see uh, added as the Cowboys get. Are down you going to take my picture again and post it like I'm dreamingly looking at, uh, like into the future again? <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I was, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, we got Proud Brian 2.0, which we uh-huh. just started a Facebook page. If you if you want to keep up with what we do, just look up Love the Star on Facebook. We're going right. to be doing some different things there. Maybe Brian and I can uh, jump on and do a live at some point on there, you guys. But yeah. um, but no, I was looking for. I needed a. A, a header image and so i just pulled up one of the more recent shows we did and i was just like all right let me pull one up and just grab a screenshot from it i literally clicked to the center of the video and hit pause and brian that was the image i saw and i was like man this is this is god this is this is divine intervention saying that this is the picture that we need but it looked great my you, second proud look, bryant moment like i was you, just dreamingly looking at dak like yeah oh my gosh you're playing so well which you are yep you really exactly are. You, you 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 yeah. came around like i did uh, and so, you know, you, you finally come over to my side. So I <laughs> appreciate that. But we'll dive into some of those uh, different things. But yes, go like us on the Facebook page now. Love the star. We're going to be posting a lot of fun things there. Um, but before we kick off with that, we're going to get into some uh, uh, sad news, some some yeah. upsetting news. Leighton Vander Esch is done for the season, which your antennas kind of went up last week when Stephen Jones on a Monday when talking about Leighton Vander said, yeah, you know, if we're going to get him back. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. There, there'd been a lot of talk like he was just going to be out for, you know, several weeks, but that the plan was for him to come back. So that was the first time where you kind of sit up and listen. I remember famously Jason Garrett had talked about uh, Leighton Vander Esch's injury. Uh, he had a nerve issue. And Jason Garrett in a press conference said, yeah, you know, look, we're just we're waiting for that nerve to, to just we want it to calm down. We don't think this is going to be career threatening. And everybody went, whoa, Jason, where did that come from? And so it kind of makes you sit up when they start talking about Leighton and where he's at. So uh, Leighton Vander Esch, uh, Jerry Jones confirming on 105 through the fan on Tuesday, he is done for the year uh, with another neck injury, something that has plagued him throughout his career. For Sean Lee, it was soft tissue injuries. Uh, for Leighton Vander Esch, it is the neck issue. Two very uh, similar s- players, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Two I, I, very I mean, similar players, yeah. De- definitely. I mean, I'll, look, Leighton Vander Esch is a, a – a, a Sean Lee, nobody's ever going to touch to me. Yeah. I remember I pulled different people around the league, players, you know, uh, front office people I know, coaches, different folks, a couple of years ago, and I just asked them, like, hey, I'm get, trying to get a sense, who's just the brightest football mind you've ever been around? And there were people outside of Dallas who answered Sean Lee. Who, who well, were really big fans of his. And so high, high IQ, Vanderish, very, you were hoping was getting on that similar trajectory. Um, and, and the defense reacted the same way without him. You know, Sean Lee, mm-hmm. when he used to go out, the defense would crumble. A lot of times that has happened throughout Leighton Vanderish's career, too. So Cowboys are going to have to make do without him uh, the rest of the way. They obviously lost to Marvin Overshone very early in the season. That was a killer for them. They responded by having to put Micah Parsons at a you know a, a heavy dose of linebacker in recent weeks. Don't know how much of a fan he is of that. They've had to put Rashawn Evans in, who at least against the Giants did not play terrible. Looked okay out there. Sure did. Um, looked like a guy that they had previously been interested in. The same draft as Vanderesh. They liked him a lot. Um, and so you know you hope Evans can contribute. You hope Damone Clark keeps coming. But outside of that, right now, if you consider More key spell. Yeah, but if you consider Micah Parsons a line, if you consider him an edge rusher, then that means that on your active roster, you have one player listed at linebacker, and that's Damone Clark. Wanye Thomas, uh, you know, Marquise Bell, those are safety hybrids. They're listed on the roster safeties. 
Rashawn Evans is a practice squad guy who's gotten the elevations. I'm sure he's going to be signed to the active roster eventually. Um, but that right now is where where things stand with this linebacker situation. So, Brian, um, you know, as we talk about Vander Esch, who now the discussion moves to, is he out for the rest of his career? There's talk that this could be a career ender for him. Right. Um, as, as we look ahead, what is the answer at linebacker for you? Is it, you know, what they did on Sunday, moving a lot more Micah Parsons there? Do you think, hey, let's go Bell and Clark with some Evans sprinkled in there? Uh, do you start looking around the league, looking for practice squad guys to sign away? What is the answer, do you think, on the linebacker situation for the did Cowboys? You, did you get a chance to watch the All-22? I know you've been busy. I did, so. yes. I, I, I did watch Cowboys-Giants. Okay. Parsons was in coverage, I believe, five times mm-hmm. that he was in coverage. They had three sacks when he was in coverage five times. He's there a hell was, of an athlete. There was there was some – what what – what was amazing to me about the way that he played the other day, and I, I can understand why he was frustrated because it, it, you know, that's a situation where he's probably not used to, he's probably not used to having to play that much, but yeah. I went back and, and, and watched every play he had. I went back specifically to watch the type of game he played. Doubled six times, ran a read option at him twice, one twist led to uh, uh, the uh, Neville Gallimore sack that he was a part of. Yep. He covered five times. They had three sacks. The motion across his face slowed him up a little bit, and he was laid off the ball uh, on several times. Did you – am I missing something there with Micah Park? No. No, and I, I think – I will say him being laid off the ball – because I noticed like that too. Like he wasn't and ready a couple of times. That yeah, that that's something that stood out to me in particular. Watching, and I wonder if he was distracted in this game. That that's exactly it. I wonder if his responsibilities were so so intense and so varied that it just mm-hmm. it kind of it, it it was a lot to process. And he was you know it's not just your pin your ears back and go or figure out how you want to attack this guy. It felt like he was just being asked to do a lot, and so I think he was in response, maybe just kind of system overload a little bit. He look, he was he thrilled after the game? No. He he left no. before locker room opened. That's not like him. Um and he talked about that it was a little bit frustrating. Um he he's had a, a bit of a frustrating run at times. But this Tyree is, this is, Tyree Phillips blocked him several times in that game. Yeah. That that was that to me, you know, we talk about Micah Parsons and he's he's one of the best defensive players in the league. And in my opinion, what's unfortunate is he left the locker room at the end of the day when he was directly responsible for, in his coverage, allow them to sack people. You know, he he could have taken the opportunity to praise his teammates. One of the sacks he normally gets is when you have a compromised center that's not very strong. Tank Lawrence got that sack, you know? I mean, there's some things that they need him to do scheme-wise that he did. You know, and they had success. That would have been a great opportunity for Micah Parsons, in my opinion, to talk to you in the locker room after the game, talk to everybody afterwards and say, Hey man, I'll tell you what, it was great to see it was great to see Tank get a sack there. You know, Tank's one of the best guys when it comes to helping some of us. You know, it's a great job. Glad to see Neville Gallimore. Man, we ran the twist up. We've talked about it. We did it at practice. We got it home. Neville got home. Great job. And I came around. By the time I came around the corner, Neville was already on the quarterback. 
You know, that would have been a great opportunity to talk about his teammates there. You know, that would have been yeah. a, they mauled the Giants. They mauled them. You know, that's not a game that you walk out and say, I'm perplexed, I'm confused, I'm whatever those cho- those words that he used. You know, I think that's yeah. unfortunate right there. You had a hand in, in, in playing a really good defensive game. It just didn't come with sacks and tackles for you. But there were yeah. a couple of times where you got blocked by an inferior offensive lineman. Single look, blocked. Look, yeah, I, you know? I think consistently, like, here's what I will say. I, I certainly understand the frustration of a Dalton Schultz is wanting to get paid. He gets tagged, and right. then his, his usage goes down. Right. And that, that, that becomes frustrating to a player. A guy like CeeDee Lamb is is trying to get paid. Nothing gets done before the season. And then he's standing up there against San Francisco and he's getting four targets and he's upset on the sideline. I'm not I'm not saying that's why he was frustrated. I'm just we're we're connecting some dots here. So for Micah Parsons, who's heading into a negotiation this offseason, and there was talk of, you know, maybe a 20 sack season. I know I was one who said it. I anticipated him to have 20 sacks this season. When the production's down and now he's being taken out of the rushing. I understand how for a lot of these guys it's like he had hey, rushes, this, Bobby. This he had some yeah, rushes. Yeah, he did. He did. He had he rushes did, but, against, but against an inferior tackle. Tip, typically, no, no doubt. Typically, though, you don't expect to come out of a game and say Chauncey Golston got more opportunities to rush the passer than I did, which yeah. is what happened. Golston rushed the passer more times than Micah did in this game, and that that you can understand how, like you know, he's probably a little frustrated by that. But you're right; he still needs to, I think, respond better to it, and I think he will the next time. And I think he he undoubtedly he's he's one of these guys who he typically makes mistakes once. When he makes a yeah. mistake, he generally response to it the right way and that that's a big he big played thing. he was incredible as an off-ball linebacker he didn't have the tackles but he had coverage plays you know he had things that he was able to help the help the defense win that game i mean to be dominant you know yeah. the, to me his his teammates his teammates they get excited for him you know they do they get you know they 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 the way they rush the passer the way they cover it allows him to be the lion and hunt and do all those things you know, yeah. I just think it was one of those times where, you know, he, he just he, it, the optics of it wasn't very good. You know, sure. the optics were bad. And and, you know, he should be he should be proud of watching the tape of him playing coverage because he doesn't play coverage that much. He doesn't get the opportunity to play coverage and he he showed he could play coverage. You know, I mean, you talk about complete linebacker. I mean, all the things they ask him to do, you know, he, he helped. I mentioned that three coverage or excuse me. Five coverage uh, opportunities, three sacks. That's yeah. good. That's that's damn good football right there. So to me, I just when I watched the tape and but he had some pass rush opportunities. It it, it wasn't it, it wasn't like this normally like he does like he always gets. But the game was in hand. You know the game was the game was clearly in hand. You know, yeah. and I I just think that's the unfortunate part of things is that. It looks bad when you blow somebody out and you have a hand in helping in the blowout, but you don't want to talk about it. Sure. No, and then, I mean, look, we've, we've run into that before. Um, you know, very famously, uh, after the Tampa playoff game last year, Dalton Schultz didn't want to talk to anybody, and he had right. a good game, and they won, and it was just, I, I mean, that kind of shows worse. I remember very famously, this was an issue with Cole Beasley at the end of his time here in Dallas. He just got to a point where he didn't want to talk to anybody. I don't think that's the thing where Mike is at. Mike, again, young player, still adjusting, expectations different. That's that's kind of where it's at. Now, 
really quickly, just on the planet linebacker itself, Brian, before we jump into this other stuff. That's here. a big part of him having to, I, yeah, think, sure. he's gonna, I think he's going to have, that's my whole thing wasn't to try and rail on. No, Michael no, no. Parsons. I, 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 to- my, my, I totally understand. I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint a picture of if you haven't had a chance to watch the all 22, you can watch Micah Parsons, each individual play his, his ability to help as an all ball linebacker was really good in that football game. Was yeah, really good. And if it requires them to play more off-ball linebacker so they can continue to win games, sign me up. Sign me up. Because I think others I think others benefit from him playing linebacker too. You know, the threat of him maybe rushing, you know, allows uh allows Neville Gallimore to get home or allows Fowler to get home or allows uh Tank to get home. You know? I mean, yeah. the threat, the offensive coordinators are worried about dealing with Micah Parsons. Your whole game plan going in is, how do we block 11? Well, wait a minute. They're playing him an off-ball linebacker now. Oh, wait a minute. We've all hope all our protection set on how to block 11. You know, where he is. Identify where he is. You know, so I, I just, if he has to play like he did against the Giants and they continue to dominate and blow people out, sign me up. Sign me up for that every single time. When we look at the snap counts within the box, just lined up in the box, obviously, uh, top three guys, the three guys that got at least 20 snaps uh, playing linebacker in the box, Brian, were uh, Damone Clark, Rashawn Evans, and Marquise Bell. Right. Uh, is that essentially at this point, obviously with Micah sprinkled in there, I mean, yeah. hell, they even at, at times there were, you know, Tyrus Wheat was in, in the box doing some stuff. Curse and Wilson, they come down there, do some things where they play hybrid. But is essentially right now your linebacker core, Evans, Clark, Bell, and then some rotation with Micah. And if that's the case, is that good enough? Or do you think that they need to look at, hey, let's look at some practice squad stuff here. Or, hey, you know, I yeah. know Rashawn Evans played okay, but you can't bank on Rashawn Evans consistently. Yeah, I, I think, man, Bobby, we're – we always laugh about this because you and I were at, were at uh, in Oxnard and we were kind of walking from practice one time. I remember, and I'm like, you know, Bobby, we're going to wake up, and the next thing you know, it's going to be Thanksgiving. You yep, know, and, here we and, are. Then here we are, and you wonder, is there some move? Is there a po- is there a poach move that they can make? Uh, is there do you do you play more Wanye Thomas down in there because he's got toughness? You know, he's not the biggest guy. I mean, he's tough. And he runs well, and he's physical. You know, maybe, man, they get away. It's amazing how they get away with it, but they do. They put Bell down there, Thomas down there, Curse. They put guys down there in that box, and those guys play well. They really do. I, I don't think you could poach anybody, Bobby. I don't. I think you're going to have to ride with the guys that you have right now, and and just and hope for the damn best. You you've really. You've made your bed. You've made your bed, and now you need to go sleep in it. I just yeah, and in, so, and in some respects, you just, unless there's you an got, injury, unless there's an injury, and they, but you know, I mean, if I'm poaching, I'm trying to if if there's a linebacker out there that's got a little size to him, and they feel like he can run a little bit, you know, a sideline to sideline guy, downhill player. I mean, yeah, those guys are all probably on active rosters, but maybe there's somebody sitting on one of these practice squads that you would go and take a look at. And you know, poach him and and try and get him ready for get him ready for December. Which, to be fair, um, like like, and I don't think this is what you were saying. So I'm just I'm being clear. Not that this is what you said. Like when we say they made their bed, we're just talking about the roster construction, and everything else. To be yeah. fair, the the two guys that they banked on, essentially, I think being their their primary guys 
or not are now here. an injured reserve. Right. Vander Esch and Overshaw. Right. Those are the guys. And they thought Clark would be in that mix too. But they well, they made man, their I, bed. I, they I, made I, their bed with how they constructed the roster. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. What, they, that's what yeah, it they're, is. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're primary guys. Just yeah. they, they got hurt. But man, I'll say this. You you heard the same things I did, Brian, and we saw the same things out of training camp. I will say this: this team was really excited and thought Demarvian Overshone was oh, going to be a difference yes. maker year one. Yes, um, and, and he, I think there's absolutely no re- what we saw in training camp, what we heard from him when he we sat down, interviewed him, everything else. Yeah. I don't I don't think there's any reason to doubt that when he comes back, that's going to be an incredibly well, exciting player for this team. Say it, say it, Brian. What do you want to say? No, I want to say, Bobby, that every time, well. And I'm everybody thinks the ACLs. I'm a, well, everybody thinks I'm a wet blanket guy anyway. Gallup, Steele, yes, yeah. yeah. Every time it's like, well, they're due back. They'll be fine, you know. And then, and then, eleven games in, we're like, man, he doesn't look the same. We had Brian Baldinger on today, you know, on Baldy's Breakdown Weekly on 105.3 The Fan. Now we we've got him every every Wednesday at four o'clock, and and Baldy, we asked the question about uh, Pollard, and he goes, I don't think Pollard looks the same. You know, these guys that come back from big injuries, you know, that have opportunity, it, 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 I'm learning now it takes time. It, yeah. it's, not, it's not plug and play. It's not, oh, he's coming back from injury. Let's plug and play. No, it's probably going to take in another year, and they, they kind of figure things out that way. Something to monitor, no doubt, uh, and I'm sure linebacker is going to be on the list of uh, guys that the Cowboys Jeremiah are Jeremiah Trotter, at. Jr., there, there you go. You you drafted pops. I drafted now, now, pops. Full circle, boy. Pops we, made me look smart. Here's here's what I got to say, Brian. Regardless of anything else, that's the one guest we need to get during draft season. Is we need to make sure that we interview Jeremiah Trotter Jr. on this podcast, and you get a chance to. I would to love. Talk I would. Him. I would love to talk to him about his old man. God, would, we, he is one of the toughest guys. I will give real quick. I'm going to give Jeff Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, a lot of credit for that one. Yeah, I've told the story before. I'm sorry. Yeah. I probably okay. I just no no sure. t- no. Joe, go into it. I love this. Real story. quick, real quick. Nineteen ninety eight draft. Jeremiah Trotter, uh, Stephen F. Austin. He's got a bad knee injury. He's got. He's kind of dealing with a bad injury. But we had him so high on our board. Just like man, this guy. I mean, he makes plays. He's tough and all that. Talked to the team doctor. Team doctor tells me, Mister Lurie. He goes, I don't know if Trotter's going to play ten games or ten years. Well, he ended up playing like what thirteen years or something. Yeah. fourteen years or something like that. So, but Jeff Lurie told. My, told me and the doctor, he looked at me and said, if we like this player this much, let's draft this kid. Let's take this kid. And we drafted him, and now he's a legend in, you know, legend in Philadelphia for, for what he did. But his son's a hell of a player, too. <laughs> it really yeah, is. It's, 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 it's great, great to see him. It's great to see boy, uh, you're, you're, all, these, all these players and their kids play. It it's, it's means it's about time for me to get to the lake. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool to see them all play. It really Just is. think about it, Brian. In the last several years, you've studied uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., Antoine uh-huh. Winfield Jr., and Mario Edwards Jr. Mario Edwards Jr., uh, uh-huh. think about this, Brian. He not only got in the league, he's uh, now, I believe, retired. So Mario Edwards Jr. Yeah, has made his entire it, passage it, through the league. It's, after- made it, well, it's fun to, too, to see the, the, the Horns and the Sertans and the Winfields. Yeah. And uh, man, it's just it's it's a and and then in this draft there's an alt uh, and I I've, I've studied that his dad uh, was a tackle, uh, John Alt. Alt and, is going to be Joe Alt is going to be yeah. one of the big time tackle prospects yeah. in this draft. There's Absolutely. no doubt about it. Yep. You're listening to the Love the Star podcast. The Love the Stars and Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed. 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, uh, like we said at the beginning of the show, Brandon Cooks had his breakout performance. Thanks largely, I think, to us. Um, you know, we, we, we got to take a lot of the credit, I, I think, for that. Um, you know, we, Has anybody seen, thanked you yet for that? Is anybody no, not, not, not yet. Anybody texted you and said thank you for all this? Not, not yet. Uh, I, I'm, I don't I'm, expect they will. I, I was, I was going to leave my address on a little note card on McCarthy's uh on, on his little stand. Uh, They're way the press smarter conference. than us, Bobby. That, that way he just knew to, to write me. I'm just kidding, y'all. Like yeah, there, there's, yeah. there's good people over there in that building doing yeah, great they, work. We're just having fun are. here. But we did. We, we talked a lot, not just here. There was a lot of discussion in general uh, about, and I don't think it was any football savant thing on our part. There was a lot of discussion from people watching the Cowboys saying, you've got to take advantage of things down the field. You've got to take advantage of the middle of the field. You need to let Dak open things up there. I think there were probably players, including Dak Prescott, who expressed that themselves. So, they're the ones who probably get the credit for actually moving the needle, but Brandon Cooks gets more involved. CeeDee Lamb, they start targeting a little bit more. Uh, you're seeing them push things on offense. Uh, there are just these things that have occurred during this season where, where this Cowboys coaching staff appears to be pretty receptive to the feedback that they get from their players and, and from people within the building. They're willing to make some changes. So, Brian, as we take a look at things and where the Cowboys stand right now, 6-3, and three, in all likelihood, it's not out of the question yet, but in all likelihood, you are going to play a road playoff game. I think this is a team that makes playoffs. You're likely going to, as it stands now, going to be on the road um, because the Philly is New on Orleans track right, right now. now. We got New Orleans. Philly, uh, I believe it's it's New Orleans or San Francisco, but you're you're on track to basically be in on on a road playoff game. And this is a team right now, Brian. That I don't know that I ever would have thought I would have said this about AT and T Stadium. It's become such an advantage for the Cowboys. Uh, that unlike a, a lot of other places, they have the longest home winning streak in football right now. Uh, Dak in half of his last 24 starts, Incredible. there has been up 40 points, which Incredible is just absurd. Yeah. Um, so the, it, it would help if the Cowboys could get there, get some home field advantage. And in order for that to happen, Brian, uh, we're going to need to win a division. We're going to need to make some tweaks here. So as you look at this Dallas Cowboys team, is there anything, one or two things that you look at and go, man, this is something right here that, They've made these adjustments. Here's where I'm still waiting for an adjustment, and I'd love to see it happen. I would consider bringing Tony Pollard off the bench. Ooh, interesting. I'm sorry my voice is done from radio today. No, it, it, it please, made you very please, emotional. Bobby, I, I want to bring Tony Pollard off the bench. Please answer <laughs> my question. Yeah, uh, look, I think that uh, Tony Pollard, that's an interesting one to put out there is that and what's the, I'm the sure approach we'll get there ripped for, for it here, but no, nah, what, what's the, what's, what's the line of thinking there for you? Do you think it's just, it's a alleviates pressure from him? Is it about starting or is it more about splitting reps to you? What, what is it that you have in mind specifically? 
kind of feel like that Rico Dowdle will give you a little bit of that juice to start the game. You know, when you really, when you need to kind of get a little rhythm with your blocking, maybe a little rhythm for Mike as a play caller. He's obviously got some rhythm with his quarterback throwing the football. You know, maybe there's some running plays. He could pop some runs. We had a that flip play was a positive play for him. 21 yards, made somebody miss. You know, I think it's a little bit different when you're calling ball plays and it's second and five, second and four all day. You know, I think I think your quarterback can thrive in that. Uh, I think that Rico Dowdle is finally, and gosh, I'm just going to say this, but here we go. Knock on wood. And if you can watch me on video, I'm hitting on my forehead right now. But knock on wood, Rico Dowdle. I I didn't want to say it. Anyway, he's playing. I I didn't want to say what I was going to say about that because I don't want to. No, you let it up. You knocked on wood. Now you got to say it, Brian. No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I am not going to say it because I've, I've, no, I'm not going to say it. Everybody out there knows what I'm talking about. This kid is availability. It's about availability, and he is he is doing a great job with availability right now. I'm going to hand him the football. I'm going to get in a rhythm running the football. I'm going to get the offensive line some confidence uh, that, you know, hey, we're running the ball, we're running the ball, we're having some success. I'm going to pop Tony Pollard in there. I'm not talking about the Tony Pollard oh, coming in the second series like he used to do when, when Zeke was around. I'm talking yeah. about, no, it's like – it's a run. It's a run. It's a run. Boom. Put Pollard in there. Let's go. Okay. It's a run. Take him out. Put a pass in there. Pass, pass. Run again. You know, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm rotating those guys in there, but I'm trying to find a little rhythm. And I think Rico Dowdle running the ball will give you a little bit better rhythm. And I think it will help the offensive line get going in a game, you know, with some positivity that the tight ends are blocking, the tackles are blocking. Your center's doing a good job of getting a second level, and you're getting the cut that you need. You know, I think if the Cowboys would find some success running the ball early, I think it would help them throughout the day. Instead, then they've been getting in some. You know, people will tell you maybe Pollard's a little anxious trying to hit the hole. You know, he feels the pressure. He's getting the money. You know, he's he's trying to make some things that you know they're not blocking great for him, but he's not seeing the holes either when they do block great. Yeah. So, Maybe Dowdle will give you a little bit of that, that little jump, juice, whatever you want to call it, and then you throw Pollard in there. Skip Pete said this, and you know Skip's now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Skip Pete was telling people, if you want Tony Pollard to be really, really good, have two backs, him and another back. And Skip's right. Yeah. Skip's absolutely right about that. What was different for you – when the Cowboys were trying to figure out the Marion Barber Julius Jones situation, they were pretty committed for a while there. That yeah, it, it I wasn't. Was I wasn't it, on staff there. No, no, so no. I, but I can't, just I can't who, speak for right, that. Right, right, right. But it's just as somebody who who watched it, like because I know you weren't there at the time. But like as somebody right. who watched, oh, I wa- no, I was it, watching it. Yeah. So, I was so getting, what I was because there was a, a big push for Barber to get the carries, and ultimately when he kind of took on the lead role, he was not the the same effective back that he had been behind Julius Jones. What is it that that causes – we just talk about Dowdle and what he can bring being a lead. What is it that makes it beneficial for somebody to be the reserve? Like, like it was seemingly beneficial for a guy like Mary maybe Barber. The, rest maybe. Of well, yeah, Bar- and Mary Barber – and if I'm right about this, Bobby, when he was at Minnesota, he was in a two-back system where they Lawrence had – Lawrence Maroney. Yeah, yeah, Lawrence Maroney. That's right. Good memory, Bobby. Great job. <laughs> but I, at least I remembered they had two backs. But uh, that – that's kind of where maybe with Pollard, it, it it's that role of, okay, 
and, and, and Patrick Walker, who I work with on the break, and I think Patrick's got some really good ideas mm-hmm. about things. And he was thinking that maybe the load of having to be the primary back or the featured back is, is too hard on him. Now, I'll tell you one thing. This kid is a tremendous pass blocker now. He's got awareness. Yeah. and under, I mean, if you said, oh, we'll put him in when it's passing, because he does, he, he does understand blitz pickup. He understands how to come across. He sticks his nose in there. He stays square. There's some things that he does that allows Dak to throw the ball. And that part of it, if you want to put him on the field for those things, I, I'm all for that because he has got a feel for that. But maybe as the primary back, the extra carries, the early pressure in the game, the freshness of a defense, maybe there's some things that kind of sh- – where he's used to being – and he even did this at, at Memphis, right? Him, yeah. Henderson, I remember those guys. You know, it was like there was kind of a rotating system of what they were doing. And, and I think that's where – he was never really the primary guy. And we were all screaming for him to be the primary guy. But in reality, maybe he's the guy that needs to be the secondary guy. Let, let, a, let, a, let somebody start the game for him, get, the, get things going, and then insert him into the lineup and let him take advantage of that. I got two things, Brian, that I'd like to, to see here uh, for the team. And I got one on offense and one on defense. First one on defense, and they've already started to – do it a little bit, at least this past week. I'm I'm really curious, other than just the introduction of Donovan Wilson back in the line, why Wanye Thomas became such an afterthought. Mm. Because he's been a good player for them, mm-hmm. and he played a lot in the slot against the Giants the other day. Sure um, and so, I, I mean, he was getting opportunities a little bit here. I, I'd like to see him get more involved. What do you think happened there? Because he was playing, it was just the the snaps became hard to come by when Wilson came back, and they were really liking what Bell was doing. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I think if, and I'm not a huge PFF guy, but if you look at the ratings from where the safeties have been, mm-hmm. they've been much lower than what we saw last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people are throwing at me. Well, what's your problem with Malik Hooker? Wasn't Malik Hooker rated like a 80-something, high 80, one of the best? Now he's down 70-something. I mean, still. I think everybody's down in the safety Everybody's down in that safety group, yeah. You know, to me, with Wanye, I mean, I think it's about trust. But how could you not trust him? Because every time he goes out there, he man, he gets that interception the other day, you know? And yeah. That's very much a... It's very much like an old David Irvin when you play 16 plays and you, you get two turnovers, you know, or, yeah. something, you, or you get two sacks or something like that. But he, he's a guy that's always around the ball. He's physical. He's, he's aware of where he needs to be. Uh, you don't see him bust. At least my, my eyes don't see a bust player. A bust when I mean busting assignments. Yeah. Not, not a, not a, a poor player. But, uh, Man, I want to see him play more. I really do. I think he he's so emotional and but he's he's locked into where he needs to be. You know, and I the fact he's the personal protector will tell you he's a smart guy because he has to sort everything out. You know, the Cowboys have one of the best special teams units in the league when you look yeah. overall. Bones has Man, done a great job this year and, and those guys. By the way, it's funny I was talking to somebody today about bringing back Kelvin Joseph. No, Brian. No. Every, everybody's against me on this Kelvin Joseph thing. 
I do have one guy. I do have one guy that's with me. One guy's with me. You want to know who that is? Kelvin Joseph. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> who's who's with me on Kelvin Joseph? Bones. Damn right he is. Bones. He lost Goodwin. He lost Goodwin. He, he's a fantastic gunner. No doubt about it, Brian. I, I'm saying, but you know what? What's going to happen is Will's going to have to like – Will's going to have to handle Bones, and McCarthy's probably going to say, I don't want him, and DQ's going to say, I don't want him. And Jerry Jones, who always loves his special teams coaches, and we've had some, we've had some legendary guys here. When you start to, you know, when you have, when you talk about Joe Alvazano and, and Joe D. Camillus, you know, we've had some guys, Bones Fossil. These guys are like, when it comes to personnel and they're trying to fight for their guys, they could be pretty persuasive. So I yeah. guarantee you, Lee, uh, Will McClay is now right now thinking of a way as to how to block Bones Fossil from making an assault to get to Jerry to get uh, get Kelvin Joseph back on this team. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't doubt it. But Bones, I, 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 I agree with you, man. It's about the players. Go get the player. Go get that player. Water under the bridge, Brian. Here's my other recommendation. Wanya Thomas is one. Here's I, my love, other I love more Wanya Thomas, by the way. And here, and this is this is the one we haven't gotten yet. I want to see Brian. I want to see more of the Michigan tight end. That's what I want. <laughs> I do a show with Eric Chiafalo on 105.3 The Fan, as we mm-hmm. all well know, the Chibag Nation. He he came out and said, and I think it's tongue in cheek. I don't think he's being serious. Well, maybe he is. He's saying. Uh, proclamation, do not throw another ball to Luke Schoonmaker. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm glad you said that, Brian, because that was my setup the entire time. I want to see more of the Michigan tight end, and I mean Sean McEwen. Here's the thing, <laughs> is that I I I need to see, while, while you're dealing the with Hendershot. Michigan tight end, all right. While you're, while you're dealing with Hendershot. You're a look, jackass. <laughs> look, I, I'm a big Schoonmaker fan. I, yeah. I think Schoonmaker is still trying to find his footing. And look, maybe yeah. maybe that comes just with reps, and maybe he needs the reps. Yeah. I think I it's hate like, the word hey, maybe, maybe. No, but here, here's here, here's what I'm just saying. I'm just saying that because it's like maybe I'm just a jackass and I don't know what I'm talking about here. But I think that That's remember he missed thing you've said in eleven weeks. He missed so much of training camp and 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 the, and the yeah. off season program because of the injuries that he was dealing with. That I wonder if it's like. Hey, you know what? Let's get you. Let's just get you focused instead of on game plans. Let's just get you in the classroom for a little bit. Mm-hmm. McEwen's been here. McEwen's a guy that has been in the backyard for four years. He's somebody who he can step in. He can block uh, just as well right now. He's yeah. you know you, there. There's not a lot that you're getting in the passing game, but whatever you need in the passing game, he and Dak have worked together. They know each other. That that's that's their eyes. He's, he's right tipping now, a ball across the middle in the. Air. I just personally right now, Brian would say. Put Sean McEwen in for a couple weeks. Let Schoonmaker get the time in the classroom that he didn't get and the time in the classroom, honestly, that uh, Tolbert could have used last year that he didn't get to get. And then he was just kind of put in. Schoonmaker and Tolbert are in very similar situations. And I remember you brought that up when Schoonmaker first got hurt. You said, hey, this is what happened to Tolbert last year. He yeah. got hurt early, missed meaningful time. God, I wanted so to be Brian, wrong. Brian, here's that's, that's where I'm going with this one is I'm saying give McEwen those – tight end two reps that you need to hand out during the game and just let yeah. Schoonmaker stay in the classroom the next few weeks. Okay, here's my – and I, I appreciate you throwing me the curveball and I swung and missed. Uh, <laughs> that was the, the point. That's why I said the Michigan tight end. I was yeah, wanting you, you did, to do that. Yeah, you did. You drew me off sides. Good Dan Marino, John Elway hard count <laughs> on that one. 
hot, hot, hot. hot. Uh, I think to me uh, with Schoonmaker, this is where I was wrong about Schoonmaker. I really believed in my evaluation of Schoonmaker that he was a plug-and-play blocker. I, that's what I believed. That's I been be- that, me too. That's I been- believed. I believed that he could be. I watched Michigan run the football. I watched Blake Corum. I still watch Michigan run the football. You know, for 190 something yards and all that. A lot of that went behind Luke Schoonmaker. A lot of that behind a Joe Moore winning offensive line that they had at, at Michigan. Luke Schoonmaker, as good of a college blocker that he was, it's not translated that way here in the NFL. I think there's things that he's – I think he could tie people up. I think he can give – he gives really good effort. I don't think his technique is particularly great at times. Uh, you know, the the holding call he got was unfortunate. But I, th- I really, really believe with all my heart that he was going to be plug-and-play blocker. And, that, and that's just not the case. Not right now. Not right nope. now. No, it's and, and right I, I I missed on that too. Uh, hopefully, he just gets those, you know, that that time to, you know, continue yeah, to grow. And like, like we said, drop some balls too. Well, and and, and yeah. look, we 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 talked about this last week a little bit. That this is proving to be tight end is proving to be a position that still takes some time to to grow into and and to be the pro that you're going to be. There's just some some stuff. So that's just where I'd be right now. Well, get the d- get the guy who's Dalton Schultz. Of- yeah, Dalton Schultz, who absolutely disdains me, and I don't blame him for that. But, you know, Dalton Schultz, the first, you know, year, two, you know, I was like, well, I was throwing a lot of dirt on Dalton Schultz. Dalton yeah. Schultz, and who, who ever thought that Dalton Schultz and Noah Brown would be the two primary receivers for a team on the rise in Houston? Congratulations yeah. to both those guys, too. They're both playing great. But the yeah. but the thing about it is, I really misevaluate Schoonmaker. I, I think he could. I think he can be what you want him to be. It's of course it's not right now, and he's a second round pick. But I miss the evaluation of him being a plug and play player. That's 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 my sin for Luke Schoonmaker. Well, we'll see uh, how much longer it takes him to 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 fall into that rhythm and and get what he needs to. I still I still believe Luke Schoonmaker can be a good player. So not throwing dirt on the guy yet, but. Uh, you know, we'll you just, do have just the, give, you had, you'd have your foot on the shovel. I can tell. Uh, no, not foot on the shovel, but go ahead and give those reps to a guy who's been in the building for a little bit. Let, let Schoonmaker take some more time in the classroom. That's just where let, let Schoonmaker, uh, you know, spend the first, uh, let's get Peyton minutes. Hendershot back. How about that? that uh, would be we, we, we could use that too. Uh, yeah. you're listening to the love of the star podcast. The love of the star is an odyssey podcast. You can find it on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag, where we turn things over to our dear, sweet listeners for their uh, questions, their thoughts, comments, whatever else. First one here from our good buddy, Vach Lombardi. Vach. Uh, Vach says, this is the last Love game where guy. you expect it. He's, he's awesome. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Vach. Listen to his podcast, by the way, him and Will Steele and those guys. If you can Absolutely. find their podcast, I mean, they, they have them out there. Go go listen. They do a great job. They're yeah, really he's over on the volume. Just go ahead and search yeah. Vach Lombardi, V-O-C-H, and then uh, obviously yeah. Lombardi. Uh, this is the, he says, this is the last game where you expect Dak not to play in the fourth quarter. Reasonably so. You expect right. that, that you might be able to, to you know, take this team to task for the first three quarters. Right. Uh, do you use the game to get Cooper Rush more reps, or do you go ahead and see what you have in Trey Lance, Brian? God, I love what he just did. I do. I mean, I absolutely do. I mean, you can make Cooper Rush the inactive quarterback, right? 
That's what yeah. you do. You make yeah. him. You would, third, you would. You would make yeah. him because you have to. You have to elevate. You have to. You know, the third quarterback's not going to get in unless both quarterbacks, unfortunately, are out of the game. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's an interesting thought, and you know what? I am, I'm kind of, I'm kind of leaning. That would be pretty cool to see. I would like to see, you know, Trey Lance get into a game like that, especially if the game plan is going to be like how they finished the. Uh, you know the Giants game. Yeah, but but you need to you need to have a, you know, why why do I not think? I just don't know if this is going to be like the Giants game. I don't. I, I just feel like they're, they're be- they are better than they're the Giants. better. They're better than the Giants are. They're much better than the Giants. Their record doesn't say that they're much better. But this seems like a game that maybe that that Dak's going to have to play through. And it, it might be I don't know, Bobby. Would you, would you call it a? 10, 13 point game. Is that still enough to make Dak maybe miss a fourth quarter? Yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of turmoil. We'll get into it all, but there's a lot of turmoil in Carolina still. Frank Reich is taking back play calling. Yeah, he's taking it's, play calling. It's, back. it's a total mess there right now. So, look, do I think it's the most impossible thing in the I don't think it's admission? a 38 7 game. Do you? And I, I don't think so. Um, but, like, could they be up? 31-10 with a drive or two left in the fourth or something like that. that. Or do, or, all about that. If you want to, if you want to go ahead now, you know, if you want to go ahead and make uh make him the, the but the problem not well the problem is if if something unfortunately again don't want to even talk about it but you know it, what if it happens early you know now you're now it's you know you don't have Cooper Rush you have you know you you, you know, can you can you go still win the game you know with Trey Lance playing quarterback. Yeah. You know, do you feel com- I I would have no problem with that. I like I you know. I mean, you talk to people in San Francisco, they they absolutely, you know, they they'll tell you what happened to Trey Lance. He just he couldn't stay healthy. That was the biggest problem with Trey Lance. They just couldn't stay healthy enough for, you know, for them. So, yeah, uh, everything you hear about Trey Lance coming out of San but Francisco, there was a the guy starter. worked incredibly yeah. hard. Yeah. And we all know he's got physical traits. Yeah. I, I, look, I wouldn't be against it. it. It feels like they've kind of committed to just this is essentially a red shirt year in the system and Lance is going to learn. But I, I'll say I, this, I mean, though. if the, What if it came down to the commander's game at the very end and you didn't want to expose Dak or expose Cooper sure. Rush? Sure. You Let know, him get in there. You're, you're kind of like you're already set, you're locked in. You know, it's either you got the division or you're locked into the you're locked into the fifth seed. And you know, you're going to have to go to the four the next week. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I would not be opposed at all of Trey Lance starting the game against the Commanders. I, Me I, either. That's where I would. That's where I think I would save things. That's where I would kind of look at it. I would look at that final game. It, you know, if you have to play, you have to play. But there also could be a situation where you know, okay, Philadelphia wins the division. Just saying. You get the sec. You're second in division, and you know you're locked into the fifth seed, and because you're ahead of Minnesota and somebody else, you know, and so or Seattle, whoever, and you're now, you know, you got to you you want to get the opportunity to to kind of just make sure you have both quarterbacks ready to go for the playoff game. I would I would put Cooper Rush as the uh, second, Dak Prescott as the third, and, and start Trey Lance. That Next question it. here from uh, at, spent a lot of time on that. I'm sorry, that was me. No, 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 no. That, that was good. Next question here from uh, at Mister Slinky Three. Ryan, uh, is this? I the think best... we've answered one of his questions before with that name. I think we have before. Yeah, yeah. The is, this, is this the best stretch of Dak Prescott's career? Is this the best you've seen him play? I'll tell you what. His rookie year, though, he went to went to Pittsburgh and won a game. 
Went to Green Bay and won a game. Uh, he had a running game, had a really good offensive line. Saw him play. Let, let, let's mis- let's say mistake, let, let's mistake just, free football. Let's think he, of consecutive four game stretches. Like like period. Is there like a window where you can think? What of happened? Say, Man. What the what happened before the uh, he was on a hell of a stretch before he got hurt? Right. The so the, that that is where that's where I come down. I think the best. At my but they weren't winning games. Is, they weren't no, winning. But, no, but the best I've seen him play because remember that no. defense was one of the worst we've ever seen. No, nope. that was such that team could not. You remember Dak brought them all the way back against Cleveland, and then they give yeah. up a sixty-yard reverse to Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, right. Um. And so yeah, if you look at the way he threw against, like, like I mean, just look at the way he started that season. Uh, two sixty-six on the road against the Rams. Then it was four fifty against the, the Falcons. Four seventy-two against the Seahawks. Five oh two against the Browns. And then he gets hurt in the Giants game. He, yeah. he was really impressive there. I, I think that the way he started the season in 19, he was really impressive. He had some good stretches there. Some of the stuff he did early on with Before Amari he got Cooper, hurt in New England, he was on a good run, too. Yeah, some of the stuff he did with Amari Cooper here. But, yeah, when you point it, like, you want to talk about success and and some of the, the best we've seen him play. You had a four-game stretch there, Brian, in his rookie season where over four games he threw – 10 touchdowns, two interceptions, had 275 passing yards a game. That was win on the road against Green Bay. Right. The, the overtime victory at home against Philadelphia. Right. On the road, whooping of the Browns, and then right. on the road against Pittsburgh. I, so in, I, in terms of in terms of in terms of in terms of team results and leadership yeah. and winning, that it's probably that stretch. In terms yes. of just raw yes. play and raw statistics, something at the beginning of 20. Or maybe something during 21, end of 19. But right now, he is absolutely playing really, really good football. Playing great football. Doing a great and job so, protecting the ball. Doing a great job of finding his receivers. Eyes downfield. Avoiding rush. Moving when he has to. Scrambling when he has to. Getting him in and out of good plays. Really kind of doing all this without a running game. He really is. They, their running game has been non-existent. It's been, everything's been put on his shoulders to have to make plays. Him, C.D., Ferguson, those guys, it's been put on their shoulder, and they've done a great job. Last one here from uh, Robert Kraft. No, not that Robert Kraft. This is with a C, Ryan. Hmm. Uh, who else can help as a slot corner? Because obviously Jordan Lewis has had some issues, but who else can help at slot corner right now? We mentioned Wanye M- Thomas took McQuamu, some reps there. Right? You got, you got, there. You've got Israel McQuamu who can play there. My, guys, um, you know, my guy, Bob Kraft's trying to get rid of uh, – he's trying to get rid of Jordan Lewis, it sounds like. Uh, you know – Jordan Lewis, we and we talked about him a little bit in the last episode. He's obviously smaller player. He, he's on the back half of his career. He's coming off a, a foot injury that can rob you of some of your explosiveness. Uh, so I, I mean, he's been picked on a little bit. Uh, still a, a veteran, but you would st- do you still think he's probably the best option inside at slot? Yeah, I would think so. But I mean, it it depends on do you you know when you get in these games where you know you're going to get some. Pretty tough receiving crews down the stretch here, you know. Do you, how much do you trust uh, McQuamu? You know, how much do you do you, you know, coaches always will go with what they know. They've seen Jordan Lewis make plays. That's what they're going to go with. That's fair. All right, that does it for us here on the Love of the Star podcast. We will be back with another episode with you where we will just deep dive into all the intricacies of Frank Reich's offense, um, you know, all the, all the history, the rich history with which it's based. We'll talk about the fact that uh, in Super Bowl 27, 
when it was a 52 to 17 blowout. It should have been 52 to 10 because on fourth down, Frank Reich threw a touchdown pass at the end of the third quarter that should not have counted because he was a foot or two past the line of scrimmage when he threw that ball. No and it was never there. flagged. Yeah. yeah, it was garbage. Shouldn't have been. It should have been 52 to 10 or 59 to 10, Brian. Uh, but that does it for us. We will look ahead to that game a little bit later this week. For Brian Broadus, I'm Bobby Belt. We will talk to you guys again later.